What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey. You got Mikey. Yo, how's it going? You're in the house. And thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Make sure that you guys sign up on our website. Get all the updates and all the stuff, and get on the face spaces and the what do we call them? The all insta, of it, the insta, faces, insta spaces, spaces and the insta, and all that junk. Yeah, insta, yeah, insta, Twitters insta and twits and. <laughs> uh, I could have gone so many different directions <laughs> on that. Anywho's, thank you uh, for tuning in to 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 what could be considered the greatest podcast in history. I would say that. <laughs> I mean, we could consider it that. Consideration does count. Yeah. So, you know. But thank you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you being here with us. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about fear. We have loads of it, but it's okay. <laughs> no, honestly, like the, the conversation on Friday, it, it kind of sparked this. Massey and I were talking about it last night. And it's kind of like, Let's go somewhere with fear. Let's talk about this. So we will get there. But first, we're going to get ourselves to the news bits a little bit. You know, you know? again, comment where you're from. Yes. Uh, share the video when you guys get a chance. Uh, obviously, you know, we try to go live every, every Monday and Friday. But you're right. The conversation went to a cool place, something we're going to be preaching on real soon here. And it is called fear. Do we have fear? fear? But fear. now we're going to go into news bits without fear. Do we have our timer? Timer. We, we we got our timer? Times? The times and the times? Anybody? <laughs> Let's just go. Let's just <laughs> go. We got, we got, we got, we got, we got. Come on. All right. Slide number one. So California Slide. is kind of expensive. Timcast.com recently came out with an article stating that only 16% of California residents can afford a home. Frankly, I'm feeling this what? is somewhat correct. Yes. The median price for a home... Everybody hold on to your butts. <laughs> Median price for a home is currently about $830,000. Oh, my gosh. According to California Association of Realtors, this, it's 16% that are able to afford a median-priced home. This went down from 19% to 17% to 16 Now, FYI, remember how that median price is, you know, over 800000 The median income for a household in California in 2020 was about $78,000. Gosh. For a household. For an individual, it was about $33,000. California is such a great place right now. Man, they were saying that about Florida, too, like the, the, since the, the 70s. Oh, that's right. You, you were know, telling yeah, me. Yeah, last night there was something about since the 70s, the, the housing market's got up over, skied rock, over 100%, you know, but yeah. the wages have only gone up maybe 10%. Yeah. I'm talking about inflation and adjustments for cost of living. No, it's true. It's It's... Squeezing people in the wallet, for sure. And continuing on California and talking about squeezing people in the wallet, California now has a new gas price czar, Ty Midler, who will go after the oil industry for illegal activity that drives up costs for Californians because <laughs> it's all the oil industry. It all, yeah, those housing markets. Uh, yeah. Don't go after their illegal activity. Yeah, no. So your new bureaucrat, California, they will bring lawsuits and pressure against oil companies for anything and everything. And when the companies raise prices to battle it all in the court systems, you'll point the finger and say they're gouging. So, by, by the way, in California, because of regulations, oil companies must make special fuel blends, okay? 
So if they run out of that special fuel blend, especially in the summer, they have to make more of it. They can't just bring it from another state because California is California. The other part of that is there's so many regulations and red tapes in terms of refineries that they've just been duct taping the old refineries and haven't built new ones to keep up with demand. And by the way, California taxes a little bit. Four cents in state excise tax, which is among the highest in the nation, 18.4 cents in federal excise tax, 23 cents for California's cap and trade program to lower greenhouse gas emissions, 18 cents for the state's low carbon fuel programs, two cents for underground gas storage fees, an average of 3.7% in state and local sales taxes. Who's gouging you? Who's gouging you? Number three, the UK police are at it again. This one was just fun for me. The UK, because we make sure our news is global, guys. We're not just from the US. An autistic girl was arrested for a horrible homophobic slur in the UK. Now, at the risk of arrest from the Rainbow Stasi in the UK, but with a passion for journalistic integrity, we're going to <laughs> utter the most horrible homophobic slur right here on this channel. Are you ready? Everybody hold on to your seats. Are you ready? Deep breath. The autistic girl said, and I quote, you look like my lesbian Nana. That's the homophobic slur. Now, this teen was brought home after being intoxicated in the city center. Once home, one of the, the teen told one of the soldiers, that uh, police officers, that she looked like her lesbian Nana. And the girl does, in fact, have a lesbian Nana. Now, I want to go to the last slide because I decided I want you to make a judgment whether or not this police officer kind of looks like a lesbian. So let's let's throw that slide up. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so anyways, that's the news bits. <laughs> oh man. All charges have been dropped. Yes, yes. They the UK police decide it wasn't a good look to arrest an autistic girl for saying, you look like my lesbian <laughs> Nana. Seven police officers. That's the best part. Took seven police oh, officers my to gosh. destroy this homophobe. You ever just had conversations with people? You're like, okay, this is this is seriously ridiculous, right? You just... I was doing the teaching the course last night, and we're yeah. just going through like how ridiculous things have gotten, right? Right, Ugh. and 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 you have to like almost be like, Lord, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't get angry if you came back soon. Like, I mean, you know, you know, it, but it it would be okay. Yeah, more is a pity. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So first, before we get into our topic. Um, I want to remind you guys of our sponsor. So I want you to think about a little girl named Manny, an innocent child who was tragically shot during a brutal attack on her Christian village in Nigeria. The thing is, guys, Christians in African countries, Asian countries, they don't have the blessing of safety that we do, right? Now, this is the tragic reality in Nigeria where Christian communities are being terrorized. Their land sought for nefarious purposes. But amidst the darkness, there is hope. Hope named Equipping the Persecuted. This is a tireless global nonprofit battling this unspoken crisis and offering support to victims just like Manny. Their mission? 
to end this devastating cycle of violence. They're more than just relief. They're empowerment. They're protection. They are education, guys. They reached the scene within 48 hours of an attack, offering emergency response and long-term support. So how can you help? We are asking you to think about $25 a month or more, which can help Manny and kids like her get the medical care they desperately need. This can feed, educate, and help relocate many others awaiting a chance at safety. Though, and through their media outlet, Truth Nigeria, equipping the persecuted, donations to them will fund a journalist brave enough to bring these stories to light. Hmm. In this fight, faith remains our beacon, guys. So equipping the persecuted shares the gospel, empowers believers, and offers hope where it's needed most. Many organizations want to help, but none are as effective and immediate as equipping the persecuted. So visit equippingthepersecuted.com today. We'll put the link up. Make a difference with monthly donations of 25 or more. Together, guys, we can stand beside Manny and countless others. We can shine a light against the darkness. We are equipping the persecuted. And self-evident fully supports equipping the persecuted. Judge Saul is an amazing person. Guys, help out. See what you can do. Go to the website, equippingthepersecuted.com. Amen. And that's, uh, again, there's so many wars to fight on so many fronts, and and this is just one of them that you guys can help participate, support in. And I'm not trying to keep it somber. I think what uh, Judd's doing is incredible. Him and that organization, they're just amazing. And so they're just bringing light to something that is so important and dear uh, to the church, the persecuted, right? So let's uh, let's keep them in mind as we continue to move forward. Uh, also, too, don't forget to go on our website. Um, again, we're going to start including these kinds of things. Um, we have some have some new blogs out, yep. which is really exciting, so please get on that as well. But Equipping the Persecuted, that is a great organization. Please be a part of it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting them um, as we continue to roll on in the fight. So fear! 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 Thou shalt not fear. Well, thou shalt fear. because like, So we were talking Ooh, about this last night a little stands. bit. I'm going to teach on the fear of God here real soon. Um, at church, but you start to think how people preach today, and it's almost like we've talked about this many times. We have learned uh, how to create a God to suit us, and so what we do is we try to take the sting out of the gospel. We try to take the sting out of the scriptures. We take the sting out of the holiness of God and try to make him fit into a mold that will be acceptable to a people that have been taught emotional decisions are the best decisions. Okay, is that is that the right way to put it? Yeah. Uh, so so when we look at the Bible, it actually is filled with a lot of personal responsibility, regardless of your emotion. Matter of fact, set your affection on things above, you know, Colossians and all these things, and um, how we're going to stand before God with the deeds we did, didn't do, idle word, idle thought, every idle word and every idle thought would be accounted to us, all these things and more. So none of that has to do with emotion. It has everything to do with principle. The principle is, putting yourself down, taking up your cross daily, follow, you know, deny yourself, taking up your cross, follow him daily. So when it, we, when it comes to the topic of fear, I've heard it said, and it's true that it is a holy submission, a reverence and an awe of God, that there's this reverent side of God that we learn, and it's called fear. That is all true, and I'll talk about all that, and, and, but there's this other side of God that for some reason is not discussed, and for, there are churches preaching, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying the public discourse has kind of left off the teaching of the true, genuine fear of God. And, and so here's what I mean. My father, 
to me, and you've met my dad many mm-hmm. times. You stayed at the house. He's Superman to me. He's all a five foot. My wife doesn't believe he's five four. Sorry, Dad. She thinks you're five two. So like he's a little guy, <laughs> right? A little stocky fella. I mean, I've seen this guy put up with the most amazing crap. I've seen him physically pick up a washer and dryer and put it in his truck. I've seen this guy get into some tuffles, <laughs> some tussles, you know. He's gotten into a couple of fisticuffs, right? I've seen this guy defend my family. I've seen him go and do and stand for the things of God. I've seen him go into school meetings and just come in and lay down the hammer. I, You know, his discipline, his rod of correction was a rod. Yeah, that hurt. But there's something about I always thought my dad was Superman. And when I seen him do those things, I realized I never want to cross that dude's path. Like, I never right. want to cross him in the wrong way because I know what he could do if he got... You know, if he got his way and I was in his wrath, I knew the severity he would get to. He would never beat us. Like, he wouldn't beat right. us like that, right? But I knew. I had this fear of, of of him that was like, you know, I just don't want to cross him. I don't want to cross that line because I know, like, he's he's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He's tougher than me. He's all those things. So it's like, I'll obey. I'll listen, right? I love you, Dad. You know, I never went to him and was, like, afraid of him. I was never afraid of, of not being his son, if I ever screwed up. I was always his son. And I think a lot of people confuse the fear of God saying, oh my gosh, I don't want to fear him. No. The cool thing about my dad was, even when I screwed up, he, he made me realize I'm still his son. We just got to correct this thing. So that fear still existed in my heart. Yeah. But the fear people are talking about is, I fear, I don't want to fear God to the point where it's like, I'm just like serving him out of fear. No. That kind of fear leads to the thinking of then if I screw up, I'm no longer his son. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I, what's it say in Proverbs? Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah. And we've got to wrestle with that. I've got, I, it, it's kind of just hodgepodge. Yeah. I know. Hodgepodge together, <laughs> warning you. <laughs> but the, I saw so, it. I mean, the Bible verses in there. And, and we'll go through these different Bible verses, but I think that's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Now, we have to wrestle with that of what does that mean? Because we, we hear that word, and honestly, we get a little afraid of that word, fear, and I think sometimes... <laughs> We're afraid of fear. <laughs> it, it, and, and sometimes we try to yes. make it uh, uh, more palatable. So we'll, we'll use that term of like, well, that just means, means reverence, that... Yes, let's, let's yes, it means reverence, but let's hold for a second because there are also other forms of fear, so to speak. And in Matthew 10:28 it says, "Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." To me, that speaks of a God of justice. If you go before a judge, you've committed a crime, you go before a judge, and that judge is known to always lay down justice to the letter of the law, you're probably going to have some fear standing before that judge. He's not going to let me slide <laughs> yeah, he's at not going to let me go. Right? Now imagine you're standing before the God of all creation who has the power not only to destroy the body, but send you to hell. Yeah. Yeah, and these are scriptures that are not often preached on. No. Right? But if you read that scripture in its context, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, yo, God could do that. 
and that's the beginning of knowledge. Right, right. right. And in Proverbs 9, it actually says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The knowledge of God, right? The knowledge right. of the Holy One. Well, it's understanding. Why? Because when I see myself in the true light of where God's position is over mine, I'm like, wait a second. I'm the creature. He's the creator. I bow down to him. I put myself down for him. He's the one who created all this and who could just go poof. And we were talking about this last night a little bit. The same God that sent ministering angels in the New Testament to his people is the same God that used those angels to destroy armies right. because they came against him. They provoked him. So he's the same God, same justice God, same all that stuff, right? Right. And that's it, it continues in Matthew 10, totally to your point. It, it's like a, a quick switch, right? So 28 saying, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Then it says, 29, are not two sparrow, sparrows sold for ascent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. It's, it's a, to me, I picture it almost as a sliding scale. At the beginning is fear of the Lord, right? A humility of the Lord can send me to hell and destroy my soul and body. He has the power to do that. He has the power over all things. That is a power to be respected and feared in a sense. But when we go to John, the, the response that people so often have to the idea of fear, they say in 1 John 15 to 18, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, let's pull that apart a little bit. That's why I picture this as a sliding scale, right? Now, you, you could consider it almost a rotation sure. as opposed to sliding scales because you're either saved or you're not, right? But when you're abiding in the Lord, that's an increase of love for the Lord and the Lord in you, right? Perfect love is the fulfillment of that, which drives out all fear, so when you're in perfect love with the Lord, you're perfectly abiding in the Lord, there's no fear because guess what? There's no punishment. There's, there's no chance of punishment. Right, 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 right. Now, when we're saved, we are sealed for the day of redemption in Christ. So we are sealed in Christ's perfect love, right? And I think it's important to recognize, though, there's still that honor and reverence and holiness of God. And... We have to have this discussion of the the reality of God is a fearful thing. He is. Right? And, and no, that says it in Hebrews, actually. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. And he's talking to those who aren't saved, right? But there is something about the God of justice. If you read, if you go back and reread First John 15, and what what I, I'm sorry, first John, we're, we're we're really what we're talking about here is there comes a point in the Christian Christian walk where 
I can say I love God, but if I'm not fully obeying God, do I really reverence and fear him? Do I really have a holiness view of God? Mm -hmm. Do I really have a consecrated view of God? Right? So you just read this, but I want uh, verse 17. But by this, the love of God is perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, what he's saying here is when you're in Christ, you have love, right? But it was Jesus who said, don't fear him who can only kill your body. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body and cast it to hell, mm -hmm. right? It was Jesus's words that said it. When we're in Christ, we are perfected in love. Yes, that is so true. But remember, we serve the God of heaven who created all of this, who can destroy it, who can set it up, who can tear it down, who can do all those things, right? He uses men of old in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I mean, think about... Things like Ananias and Sapphira. I know that's an anomaly case, and we don't build a doctrine on anomalies. But what happened after they came and gave the the, 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 <laughs> Good point. the price of the land? They were their soul, their soul, or I'm sorry, their spirit was taken up. They were killed. They were died. They died by the Holy Ghost. They died. Right. I know that sounds harsh, and if you have questions, we'll talk about it. But they died, and then the Bible says directly right after that, it put fear in others not to do the same thing. Yo, that checked me. I was like, yo, I see the punishment of that. I ain't doing that. Now, right why, why would the Holy Spirit be so severe? Why? I'll tell you why. Because in the early church, there was no litmus. They, these were the Gentiles. They didn't have the knowledge of the law the way the Jews did. They didn't understand the judgments of God. They didn't see what happened in Egypt. They didn't see the greatness of God. If you remember when he first gave the law in Exodus, he said... Uh, this is, this is the commandments of the Lord. And then he basically says, I am the Lord your God, who have led thee from the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. And he was saying to them, do you remember this? I led you out of that place where the 10 plagues happened. I led you out of the place where all of your sin was. I led you out of the place where you were complaining. I led you out of the place where I literally, you saw Pharaoh and his chariots destroyed. I did that. You remember that? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make another self any graven image right? Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. You know, thou shalt not bear false witness. You know, all these things, all the, the commandments, right? You look at all the commandments, and the whole thing out of that was, remember the God who took you out of this. So in Ananias and Sapphira's time in the book of Acts, they had no knowledge of that stuff. So it was like, poof. That's good. This, this, we don't mess with the holiness of God. We don't mess with the direct command of God. We don't mess with that stuff, okay? So Peter and the rest of them are like, oh, dang. <laughs> like, this is real. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we, so we, we take out this concept of consequence, right? And, and you could even go a farther step and say it's, it's judgment, right? Especially Ananias and Sapphira. And I, I wonder, do we often have the conversation of God's love, mercy, and grace at the expense of his justice, his judgment, right? Because we look at Christ, and, and Mass, I want you to bounce back and forth me with me on this, because um, I'm exploring this as we're, we're talking. We look at Christ, and, and we, we present it as, I'm saved by Christ, so therefore there's now no condemnation. Truth. Truth. But it... I, I feel like there are times where we, we take that as, so therefore, anything I do, there's no consequence 
to it. And I don't even like using the word consequence. I'm I'm tempted to move into the realm of judgment, right? Not a condemnation of judgment, but a judgment of this sin well, d- deserves a, a discipline to it. One of the things you know? that we don't understand even about the natural law system, right, is when someone commits a crime against us, I have the ability to forgive that person, right? So let's say something terrible happens. I, I'm done. Someone does evil against me. I go to that person and be like, you know, bro, I was in prayer. God said for me to forgive you. I let that go. I release you in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus, right? He gets saved, whatever. That doesn't mean that the judge is going to say, okay, but he's got crimes to pay for. Right. So what happens is on this earth, we think there's therefore not no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. All of that is true. When you are in Christ, you are seated with him in heavenly places. You have a right with God. You're eternally secure by the grace of God, by the way. And there's evidence of that by your walk and the fruit that you have, right? The fruit of the Spirit. But the thing is, when we do bad things, the, the, the justice of God allows us to eat the fruit of that on this earth, i.e., look at America. We leave God. Many Christians still existed when we took prayer out of schools, when abortion happened, uh, when gay marriage passed. Many Christians still exist. We're still preaching the gospel in its full entirety, right? But look at the consequences of what we didn't do, what we allowed to happen. Look at the nation we have right now. The media is not for Christ. Our Hollywood is not for Jesus. Uh, most of the things on social media are not for Christ. Uh, kids bombarded today with YouTube and all these other things. Video games are not for Christ most, most of the time, right? So we're literally fish swimming upstream because we allowed this stuff to happen. We just did, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying we because I may not have been a part of all that stuff when it first began, but now we're eating the fruit of what we allowed, And the Bible says, blessed is the man who's not condemned in the thing which he allows. Well, we've allowed, and we're kind of condemned in it as far as like we're we're eating the fruit of it. So in other words, I didn't lose my salvation because these things went on. Right. But now we're eating the fruit of it. We're seeing the judgment of God. Romans 1 is very clear. And most people think judgment is God's coming down with the rod of judgment. I really think we're in judgment right now. I think so. I think God has got, got us in this place where it's either him or nothing. We don't even have, listen. I don't have the brain cells or the cash flow people to fix this country. You don't have the brain cells, which you have a lot of them. We don't have the brain cells or the cash flow or the money or the connections to fix this nation. I don't have the money or the power or the connections to fix churches. I don't have the money, power, or influence to fix and connect people. It is literally by the Spirit of God. Now, when I think about that, that makes me fear him with a reverence and a oh crap. I have to answer to God for what I'm doing. That and I I think that's what we're really trying to get to is there is we can't wash away that oh crap element of fear. And when we diminish when we diminish that aspect of oh crap, I there is an accounting to happen. We lift up the power and justice of the Lord. Um, we will stand to account for every uh, empty word that is spoken. I think every Christian who actually does that verse justice sits there and goes, oh, crap. I know. Right? And that is that is a fear. Yeah. And I think that's a healthy fear of like, oh, yeah, I, I, I need to be careful of what I'm saying, right? And I that word abide, I think that word abide is something that we've got to like really parse out someday. Right. Because I think people tend to take it as one time, right? Well, I believed in Christ, so now I'm abiding in the Father. Yes. 
But it's a, a, a continual work. Yes. You're abiding in the Lord. You're, you're continuing in Him, in His will, in His obedience to Him, right? So as you abide, your fear of the Lord can lessen because the love is increasing, right? John, John gives that, I don't want to say formula, but it's almost like a math algorithm, right? When you're abiding in the Lord, He's in you. We have come to know and believe the love, come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. If you walk away from God, you're no longer abiding in him. By this love, by this, love is perfected with us. What I find interesting is it doesn't say is perfect in us, it says is perfected. And so to me, that's a sense of God is perfecting love in us throughout the journey, right? So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, perfect, the perfected, casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. The one who fears is not perfected in love. Yeah, and he's talking about eternal justice of punishment, right? But perfected love in you that casts out fear knows I cannot violate God. Right. There is a such reverent heart towards God. Are you perfect? No. But you know what happens when you end up sinning or you end up doing something dumb and stupid? Here's what happens. Your heart runs to the cross. Lord, I screwed up. Like, even when you're in the middle of it, I don't care what sin it is. It's like, you know what, Lord, this isn't right. And you go run to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, take it from me. That is a genuine, healthy, reverent fear of God. That's a oh, Lord, I violated you. This is not good. I don't want this for the rest of... Dude, I'm telling you, sin will follow your lineage. Yes. It will. I don't care what you say. That should bring anybody to a holy fear of God. Like, I don't want sin to follow in my lineage. I don't want the curses to pass on to my children. Like, lust will pass on to your kids. I'm telling you this. Mm -hmm. A poverty-type mindset of, like, I'm always down, I'm always depressed, I'm a victim, will pass down to your children if you don't break it. And I fear God too much to say, Lord, your word doesn't tell me to be down and be a victim. It tells me that I'm an overcomer. It tells me that I'm more than a conqueror. It tells me that I am the the head and not the tail. That is a promise from the living God. So therefore, that promise given to me, I fear that. I'm like, Lord, you gave that to me? I can't violate that, Lord. I don't want to violate that. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not fearing, I'm not serving God out of like this, oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. No, I serve him because I know he could have done that, but he put it all on his son. This God, whose wrath was against me, reserved till the day of judgment, the Bible says in Romans and in Hebrews, we are reserved till the day of judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. That wrath was coming against me, and in comes in this Christ who said, you know what, bro? Here's the check, and he wrote in the memo, paid in full. This is it. I paid your penalty. He put his name over mine. That that name that was written and destined to hell, he said, no, I'm going to take that name and put it in the Lamb's Book of Life. I now give you liberty, freedom, and justice because the justice of God came against me for you. How can you not sit there and say that wrath was coming for me? He took the punishment. Well, I don't fear him now. I just love God. That's been the the teaching, that this grace has been overextended. We've kind of overextended our credit with God in a lot of ways, with with, with modern Christianity in a lot of ways, right? We've overextended this credit card that he gave us and said, okay, go out and do what you do, right? Free will or whatever you guys believe. I know there's going to be Calvinists that get pissed at that. That's fine. (laughs) Do your thing. I don't care. But listen, here's what I'm saying. When we look at the justice of God, right, 
He has a genuine, 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 genuine justice. And there's no scriptures like in Matthew when he says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord. And they did all the works, y'all. They had all the power of the Holy. They had the power. Cast out devils, did many wonderful works. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It's like, oh, my gosh. D doesn't that like bring some kind of like, oh, man, that brings some gra gravitas mm. to the situation, right? When I look at, too, um, just, just to kind of round this up because there's a lot to say about this. I'm thinking about, too, the reverence of the living God. I talk about, I think about, like, Pastor Todd. He's not only my friend, like a father figure, but he's my boss. Now, I don't, have, I don't work for him because I fear him. Let me give you this analogy. I don't work for him because I fear him, but his title is above me. Therefore, there's this holy respect of, oh, he could fire me if he wanted to, and mm -hmm. I was being stupid. He could do that. Doesn't and mean I'm not a Christian. Doesn't mean we're not brothers in Christ. But he could say no, no more. No, like that's it. We're done here. That's a reverent type of, uh, and you know what it does for my heart to him. There's an honor there. I respect the authority. I respect the position. Just like me and God, I honor your authority. I'm hands off. Whatever you want me to do, my will is subverted. I think when we have a true, healthy fear of God, we can truly tell the Lord, "Not my will, but your will be done." Right. And I think, I think today's day and age, we. We're awash in this idea of equality, and yeah. we obviously we <laughs> yeah. talk about the equality it's of men true. and all of that. But one of the issues with the concept of equality is there there becomes a lack of true understanding of fear and trembling before something greater than you. Mm, yeah, um, and I've had this discussion with somebody else about the concept of we forget the good side of what it means to be under a king. Yeah. And so when we think about Christ as a king, we, we have a hard time connecting that because we're so used to yep. um, uh, republics and democracies and everybody's got an equal voice and every consent to the government and all of that. In the spiritual kingdom, we are under an authority. And so fear and trembling is a sense of, of humility and respect before the true king, right? Just like you're saying, whether it's... It's your boss that you respect and yeah. honor or your father. There's a fear of <laughs> if I screw up, I've seen this. If if I screw up, I know what he can do to me. Right. right? Have you not been at work, bro? <laughs> this used to happen at the office. Have y'all ever been in an office setting and people got computers and all of a sudden you're just like dinking, you know, dinking around? Pastor Todd has this thing when he comes out of his office, he starts whistling. All of a sudden everybody like tighten up. Like they working, they working. <laughs> it's it's even better. It's even better when you see him whistling with the baseball bat, right, walking right. down the hallway. <laughs> you know when he's a deep thought. He's got this baseball bat. He like I don't know if it's just a thing. Like he needs it's to something think. in his hand. It's, yeah. yeah, it's something in his hand so he can think. But also people are like, oh man, Todd's coming. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> I'm not saying that happens every day. I'm saying it happened once or twice. I remember uh, with some of the people at the office, and I remember too uh, when I worked in a in a welding shop. You know, there, I remember Al. He was he was one of them bosses that was like super lenient, but he was tough too. I mean, right. he could be lenient and tough. Dude, we'd be cutting up out in the welding shop, bro, and all of a sudden you heard it, the door slam. You saw Al shoot everybody well. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is a that is a wrong kind of fear. Yes. Here's what I mean. You violate the grace of Al. You violate the grace of Pastor Todd. You violate the grace of God. And when God shows up on the scene, oh, I'll obey now. 
You know what I mean? Instead of just being obedient behind closed doors, that's integrity. Fear brings you to integrity. That reverence brings you to integrity. Because that's perfect love. That's it. It's perfected that's perfect love. love, right? So I love God, not because I, oh, I just, I'm so afraid of him. No, I know what he can do, but he didn't. But he didn't. He spared me. He saved my life. Therefore, I love him. That's how fear and love can exist together in the Christian, right? That's how justice and mercy can exist in God, right? He, he's fully just, yet he carries mercy too. We fear... And mercy rejoices over and judgment. And mercy rejoices, right? And we fear the power of God, but at the same time, we don't fear, we love God. Man, it's so hard to put into words spiritual truths because it's so encompassing. But the perfected love has no reason to fear because the perfected love is perfect That's right. in all of its action, heart, and, and consideration. That comes from him. Right. All things are from him, through him, and to him. And sometimes, and, and this has happened to me uh, in my Christian walk, there was a season where I had that genuine fear of God. Like, I feared what he could do to me, so I'd serve him out of that fear. And it, was, uh, it wasn't even an orphan thing. It was like, fine, I'll serve. I'm scared. I'm this... And then he took that one night in prayer and said, now I want you to serve me as a son. So it was like, there, it was birthed in me to fear him. And I don't care right. what you think of that. It really did burn something in my heart. Like most people, I, I get this a lot, you know, like, how are you so passionate? Why are you so driven? Why did you study so much? It's like, because fear was put in my heart. I was violating the King of Kings, dude. When you're out on your own and you feel like you're in a desert and you feel like nothing you do matters, and it feels like I'm going to get judged at every turn, and then all of a sudden one day, poof, grace comes in your heart. It's like there's something about it. It just turned my heart to love him even more. And you said something at the end of your podcast, Matt. Your fear should tell you something, but it should not command you. Fear helps you, but it doesn't command you. I don't, And I think that's what we're talking about with this emotional-type teaching is people are taught to use their emotions to make decisions. When in reality, it's principle that makes those decisions. Emotions are a great companion, but never a good leader. Right. You know. And notice what we're talking to to wrap this up. Notice what we're talking about is fear of the Lord. We have not talked at all about fear of the environment, fear of outcomes of situations in your lives, fear of other people. Notice God says, "Don't fear man. Don't fear man." Fear him who can kill the body and soul and send him to hell, right? That's a wrong fear to fear outcomes in your life, fear the actions of men, right. to, to fear possibilities, to worry. Christ tells us not to worry, not to be anxious about anything, right? And that's so important for us to understand that worry, anxiety, fear, all of that... Where is it coming from and why are you having it? Because a lack of faith and love in the Lord and a lack of reliance on the Lord will sprout fear in the wrong areas. Whereas a healthy fear of the Lord leads to love, an unhealthy fear of things around you will lead to lack of faith and love in the Lord. Do you see the problem in those? So that's that's why we've talked about fearing the Lord on this whole thing. We haven't really gotten into the fear of other things because, man, the more you love the Lord, the more you have faith in Him, the more you you rely on Him, the less you fear anything going on in the world. Because guess what? 100%. God is your Father. 100%. So. No, that's it. 
So, guys, uh, tune into Friday here. We're going to be doing some more of this stuff. But I love this topic. And I think this topic, because I had an unhealthy view of fear, genuinely. But I think, too, there's this other side where I'm like, I'm glad I learned that side of fear, too. Now, I know that sounds a little contradictory. But what it does, it puts this thing in your heart. It's like, I just don't want to violate the Lord. I don't want to do that. I, I don't. I know what he can do, but he chose not to do. That makes me reverence him and fear him all the more. And if you guys agree with that, type amen. And make sure that you put that in the comments. And please go to our website, theselfevidenttruth.com, for more information on things such as tours, dates, blogs, and such. Get yourself some merch as well. You're wearing some gratuitous, very, very nice merch. Uh, and, and you guys could get to, and it supports your homies here. It does. Where are your, where are your boys? As a matter of fact, my boys are working right now. Look at that. They're, they're doing the stuff. Isn't that awesome? You guys are awesome. God bless you guys. We will see you Friday. All right. Love you guys.